Welcome to Kelly Dry's Athol Access podcast. I am Elisa Hutnick. I head up Kelly Dry's Privacy Practice Group, and I am so delighted, in fact, pretty excited to have with us today, drumroll, uh, Shauna Gillers, who is the Chief Privacy Officer over at TransUnion. So Shauna, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I thought it would be really interesting for folks to hear just what's the, the journey to become a Chief Privacy Officer and we'll get to some of the, the hot topics as a chief privacy officer, but I'd love for, for you just to, to talk a little bit about, you know, when you were in law school, did you think privacy was your future and, and that was where you wanted to end up? That, that is a great question. And I'm like thinking back to myself in law school, Elisa, and I would say no. <laughs> I can tell you definitively, when I was in law school in the late 90s, graduating in 2001, I did not think that one day I would be a chief privacy officer. <laughs> But, you know, looking back kind of the journey to, to where I am right now, when I when I started, when I graduated law school, I was really excited to be a litigator. Like that is what I absolutely wanted to be. And so I took the route I think a lot of young lawyers take, which is to clerk for a judge. And I did that for a year in Israel um, for a judge on the Second Circuit in New York and then went to a big law firm in, in New York to, with the express purpose of, you know, becoming a litigator, which was, which was what I thought was kind of the most exciting thing you could, you could do as a lawyer. And while I was there, I got really great experience, but kind of learned pretty quickly, right? You don't get a lot of court time as an in-house, I'm sorry, as a, as a lawyer at a law firm. And so, was lucky enough to be working with a bunch of former prosecutors. We're just like, this is a fabulous way to get inside the courtroom. And it's a great job in addition to that. So kind of that was the next jump that I made to, um, to really get inside the courtroom. And so I was a federal prosecutor in Chicago for um, about eight years and really, really enjoyed that. And I think, you know, while I was there, really became that trial lawyer that like as a young law student was what I kind of envisioned and wanted to be. And then, you know, did that for a while, enjoyed it and started thinking about, well, what is next? And got excited about the idea of going in-house. I had an experience early on at the law firm where I got to meet a whole bunch of women general counsels. And I thought that, oh, I could see myself doing that at some point later down the road. And then was lucky enough to go to J.P. Morgan Chase, which was a fantastic opportunity to be at, you know, a place that has best in class legal department, like you name it, everything. And then from there, that's when I started getting interested in the world of data use, data protection, privacy, and really developed an interest and expertise in that space. And then that's when I made the switch to TransUnion, um, where for the last two and a half years, I have been the chief privacy officer. So that is kind of the long, circuitous road to getting to where I don't think I had ever would have imagined I'd be when I graduated law school. But what I love, well, a couple things that I heard from that. One, we graduated from law school the same year. Uh, we both clerked and and we both had, you know, an interesting journey to get where we are. And I think it's a it's a good reminder of how flexible you need to be as a lawyer and really open to opportunities because they sometimes do not come in the wrapped package that you think that they will come. But that curiosity on what is this interesting set of facts I have before me and, and how to how do it just jump right in definitely propels propels you forward. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened. What would you say? So at JP Morgan, was your role, did it start out in a privacy role or did it evolve into a privacy role? It evolved into a privacy role. Yeah, it didn't start out, it didn't start out doing privacy. 
But then when I did kind of make the switch, that was that became really, really exciting and really, really interesting. And I was, you know, in a in a in a part of um, the legal department where it wasn't just privacy, it was also data use. Um, and so I think and I think a lot of places are kind of taking that approach and understanding that when we talk about privacy, we're also talking about all the different ways in which we use data and need to be stewards of that data. No, ab- absolutely. I found that with a lot of my privacy in-house counsel, it requires such bringing stakeholders together that the ability to, to really go outside your box and be able to foster those relationships across all different sides of the business, or because that's really, if you think about data use, it's throughout the whole company. And so not you know having any gumption about opening up doors and and introducing yourselves to all sorts of different divisions and people throughout the business is such a huge asset. And it sounds like that was maybe, I would imagine maybe not the prosecutorial approach, but but you definitely leaned into those skills to to help, you know, build those relationships throughout the company. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. I think the relationships are really key and privacy, just especially like at a place like TransUnion where you know, data is so much a part of what we do. Privacy also has to be so much a part of what we do. And so it really just pervades the entire company. So I have, you know, regular interactions with stakeholders across the company, right? From the folks who develop our solutions to global technology, to HR, of course, information security, and then, you know, all the folks across legal and compliance. So it's really, there are very few parts of the company that I don't interact with on a regular basis. Yeah, it is. It's not for. Um, it's not boring. I will say that it is not boring being a privacy lawyer, both in house or outside count as outside yeah. counsel. So TransUnion is a big company. You've already just mentioned a ton of different um, stakeholders throughout the business. How do you? What what tips would you would you suggest for somebody who is newly in the role of a chief privacy officer and they're tasked with build our privacy program or make it better? What do you think are some of those priorities? Like, what are the pillars that you would start with as you as you think about building a program? You know, I think that that's a really good question. Kind of being able to benchmark yourself against like, okay, what are the pillars of the privacy program? I think is really, really important. Um, and there are, you know, a variety of different kind of lists of like, what are the different pieces of the privacy program? And it's anywhere from like five to 12 to like more than that. But I think, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're establishing, you know, kind of governance and framework and roles and responsibilities. You're, of course, going to need to have, like, with that comes your policies and your procedure procedures. You need to figure out your data, like what data you have, right? So whether that's like a full-blown data inventory with like bells and whistles and awesome software and tooling, or whether it's like an Excel spreadsheet, right, you have to start somewhere, Almost all data privacy laws, probably all of them, have some data subject request, right? Data subject rights, and so you're going to need to have a way of responding to those to those requests. Um, you know, there there are lots of pieces when you talk about a privacy program, things that are really important, but you're going to have to work with other people. Like data security, of course, is central. Hopefully that's not something as the chief privacy officer that you're tasked with doing. You're going to want to work really closely with your chief information security officer on that. Then other things to think about are like TPRM, so third-party risk management, right? You're going to want to think about privacy compliance of your vendors, of your customers, in our case of data licensors. And so probably working with other folks across the business um, on that piece as well. And then I think, you know, the other piece, and this is, you know, so huge, but you think of privacy by design, 
right? And so the way to do that in various ways, but you're going to have to have some kind of privacy impact assessment, whether you're going to call it a DPIA or it's going to be legitimate, in, you know, interest assessments or their, you know, transfer impact assessments for cross-border issues, right? Wherever it is, you're going to need to have a process, hopefully part of your product development process, but other parts of the organization as well, where you're, you're doing that privacy impact assessment. And then you also need to have an, an escalation path for that. Okay, so I'm going to put on my newbie privacy lawyer. I'm, I'm listening to this on the podcast and perhaps I have, you know, I'm a, I'm a team of one or I'm, I'm new and I have not built my team yet. So what I've just heard you, which are all super important things for a privacy program. When you first walk in, how do you think about all of those things that need to be done, right? And figure out how do either I accomplish them or do I how do I pull in and make sure I have the, the right resources, the right team to help make sure that we're prioritizing we have we have enough people to attack all the things that we need to do? Yeah, so I mean, I think we, and it's gonna depend on the size of your organization and it'll also depend on what kind of business you're in, right? If, you, if you're in the business of making widgets, right? I know that's a favorite law school term, so I'll use that, but right, you're making furniture, whatever it is that you're making, right? You're making stuff, clothing, right? And data is not what you do. That's going to be very different from, you know, if you're a social media organization, you know, company, or if you're a data broker, right? Like, so that's going to be very, very different. And I think you're going to, in terms of the the number of resources that you need, right? It's going to be that, that I think will be one key factor in figuring out how, how many people you need to put on this. And I think another piece of it is figuring out, are you a global organization or are you, you know, let's say just, you know, domestic or based in the U.S. and that's all, right? So all of those things are going to factor into, well, how complicated is this going to be and how many people am I going to need to stack against it? But I do think that you're going to want to take your list, right? You're going to want to have your list of like, these are all you know, these are all the things that that you expect to see in a privacy program. And I think, you know, a lot of the kind of standards that are out there and frameworks that are out there, they'll have like different levels of maturity. And so you can figure out like, well, what level of maturity do I think that we need, again, given the type of business that we're in? Um, So I think all of those factors are going to kind of go into, well, how much, like how complicated, how big, how expensive is this going to be? And then I think that that will help you kind of prioritize and figure out, you know, what is the resource ask that you're going to need to make once you size this and figure out what it is that you need. So taking that and you've hired and and have built a team, are there certain characteristics or experience that you think really works really well within a privacy team? You know, certain, certain skill sets that are just really helpful to help build and, and make sure that that privacy program is, is all that it needs to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's probably, you know, room for all types, right. But I think one thing that is going to be important to have is you, you do need to be able to get along with other people and enjoy working with all of people. Like we talked about all the different stakeholders, like that's going to be the case no matter where you're working again, because no matter where you are, privacy encompasses so many parts of the business. So I think definitely being, you know, interested in developing relationships with people and picking up the phone or Zoom or whatever it is and 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 seeing people and talking with them and establishing relationships and, you know, being able to connect regularly and kind of bring people along with your vision. I think that's 
really, really important. The other piece that I think is just critical for privacy, I don't know more than any other area of law right now, but but certainly this is like one of the places where it, there is so much change, so much movement, right? Like you've got to be really interested in learning. You've got to be one of these people who's just like a lifelong learner and enjoys like constant change and constantly needing to like learn, okay, well, what is the latest data protection authority that delivered a decision on Google Analytics or whatever it is, right? Like there's just, there's so much happening. So you've got to really be interested in kind of keeping up with it. Oh, that's it's such an excellent point. I always say it's like you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and that we as a privacy lawyer, uh, you'll never fully know everything. You you can be doing this for 20 plus, 30 plus years and it changes so much. And that's part of the joy of what we do. Right. And that it just continually keeps moving. Um, so I, I love I love those comments. I think one of the other ones that I, I think about a lot is this is all the gray area and so much of it is judgment and there's not a clear answer in a lot of these things. And so how do you figure out to get from point A to point B to point C in a way that that works, given all the facts you have, given what the business strategy is? And that's to your point, work, collaborating with others on that you're working with, whether it's in sales, product, infosec, to, to try to achieve that goal. One other thing I will say, and this is like a pitch to try to bring people more into this exciting field. But but one other thing that I would say is like, yes, it's changing all the time. And that is a little bit daunting. And you have to really like being interested in like learning new things. But I think the other piece of it is, it's changing so fast, like there's so much room for new people to just jump in, right? And in like a matter of minutes, right, you're kind of at the same place as everybody else, because the world has just like changed again. Exactly, exactly. Not not having a fixed mindset, as I would say to my kids, uh, you know, just being open to those possibilities. Uh, when I was uh, an associate, data security was brand new as an area of law. That's what the FTC was doing. And, it, and exactly that was how I looked at it. It was like, I have an opportunity to learn this and know this before any of the partners do. And so it was yeah. super fun just to jump in with that in mind. And I think now, I mean, data science, algorithmic decision-making, there's so much technology that is built into privacy. So to go in and have a little bit of background on that is such is such an advantage. Um, these were things that were not taught in law school when I went to law school. So I agree with you. There's just a lot of opportunity uh, for, all, for all types. So I'm going to pivot to now you're, you're practicing as a chief privacy officer. There are all these changes coming up. What Looking at it today, it's 2022. Are there certain issues that are just at the top of your list on these are what keep you up at night, or these are what really you're trying to think through on, on how do we address this? What, what are some of those issues? Yeah, so I think that there are two, maybe three. Um, so, I mean, for a long time now, like the last year and a half, right, there's been international data transfers, certainly transatlantic data transfers have been called into question, right, with the Schrems decision invalidating Privacy Shield, which of course was the mechanism through which Um, You could lawfully transfer data of EU citizens to the United States, and the EU was comfortable that U.S. companies would adequately safeguard that information. So now that's been kind of thrown into question with the invalidation of Privacy Shield. And it's just, I think, the kind of the uncertainty as to, well, how do we go about as a multinational company, right, how do we go about our business um, which necessarily involves the transfer of information, you know, across all the different places in our footprint. 
Um, and that's just, you know, it's, 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 it's upset commerce, right? It's, it's just, it's been very, and the uncertainty I think is also really difficult for businesses, right? It's just, well, well, how do I decide which course to follow given all of this uncertainty? So I think that, you know, Privacy Shield 2.0 to me is, is, is critical, right? Resolving that and, and having the ability again to, to, to freely transfer data and, um, and to have certainty in that area, I think is really, really important. So certainly international data transfers is one of those things that keeps me up and I think that's the direction we need to go in. And then I think the, the second big one is, and this is really more US focused, but you know, we, and this is me speaking personally, right? I, we need to have a federal privacy law. I think it's to have so many different states with similar but slightly different and overlapping legislation. Again, that creates uncertainty for businesses. It creates complexity for businesses. And like, we're lucky we're in a position of being a large company with a large, you know, many resources and we can handle that. And we handle it in a variety of other areas as well. Like we can handle the like multi-state requirements, but but it is, it does add or that add that additional layer of complexity for certainly for smaller businesses. So I think that having a single standard will provide certainty and kind of eliminate some of that complexity. So to me, those are really the two big issues. I think maybe the third issue, and I'm sure Elisa, this is near and dear to your heart, is you know the recent Belgian decision about the IAB, IAB Europe. And so, you know, the, the, the complexity that that is bringing into question in terms of real-time bidding, right, that's, that I think maybe would be lower down on my list, list, but is certainly another area where, again, I feel like it's like similar to SHRIMS and international data transfers, which is like, this is the way people have been doing business, right? So many companies are doing business this way. And now with this like shift in the landscape, like we need it to be resolved so that there is certainty going forward. It is incredibly turbulent uh, and in the sense of we forget the fork in the road. We are at multi multiple paths ahead of us without really any clear direction on which path we're going to be able to go down. Um, on your last point, it's really the future of digital advertising and advertising has been around forever. So one would think, you know, of course, digital advertising, it's not going to go away, but what does it look like and what's the path to get there? And is it going to look so different in Europe than it does in the US? And we have both you know, in the U.S., you've got all the different state laws that are driving change. And then now you have that Belgian TCF decision where we've got a lot of uncertainty as to what could you even do today to comply, right? There's not a clear answer to that. And that's something I get those questions now uh, um, multiple times a day on what should we do? And right now it's all about we need more information and it is coming down. But don't do anything. I would say don't run to rip off the bandaid yet because there's not a clear thing to do that's going to manage your risk any better. Yeah. Talk about being comfortable with discomfort, right? Like lots of accepting that. the uncertainty, yeah. uh, embracing it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So thinking ahead, you know, let's, let's put on, I'm not going to put on my rose colored glasses, but I am an optimist. And so I do think we are going to get some answers to a lot of these uh, things. Are there, a year from now, are there things that you feel like we will have resolved as, if not globally, at least domestically? Do you think that there's some possibility there? So interesting. I, you know, I feel like on the international data transfer, like, I feel like we're less certain than we were 18 months ago, if anything. 
Um, so I, I mean, I would, I would like to be cautiously optimistic. I think that, I mean, I have seen, you know, rumblings about, yes, progress towards privacy, privacy shield 2.0. I think I'll believe it when I see it, but that's, you know, certainly direction I would like to go in. And on, you know, a federal privacy law, again, I would like to see us getting there. I'm just, I'm not sure it's going to happen soon. I almost wonder whether the urgency has to drive the solution, right? You know, we've gotten all of the all of these decisions in Europe that are going to that crisis point on that's got to be enough to, to drive the momentum for a privacy shield of 2.0. Um, and similarly, if we have a state, for example, that passes a GDPR type framework, right? An opt-in versus an opt-out or so, so different than what you have in California and Colorado and Virginia, does that drive um, suddenly, you know, some some consensus building within Congress, but we shall see. And in the meantime, we will embrace our discomfort and continue to build away and forge relationships and and do what we can and have fun doing it. Uh, but thank you. I think we could absolutely have a part two to this conversation. But I really appreciate you making the time to to discuss. And um, for those who have questions, you're listening to this podcast and you'd like us to do a part two with any kind of follow-ups, shoot me a note. Uh, but in the meantime, I will put a plug in. We've got an upcoming webinar on February 24th with my colleagues, Jessica Rich, former Bureau Director of the Federal Trade Commission and Aaron Burstein and Jason Lewis from Kelly Dry's team. And that is gonna be a really interesting discussion, which you can find out more about on our blog, adlawaccess.com. And with that, Shauna, thank you so much. This was really, really interesting. Thank you, this was fun. All right, Shauna, there, we have a postscript. Because uh, I know I hear from a lot of people who are looking to go in-house or are in-house and looking to switch roles. And we've just been talking about your fabulous team and all of the interesting things that you are doing. And it occurred to me, you may be hiring. So first of all, is that a possibility? Absolutely. We absolutely are hiring. Yes, there are, I think, at least two positions that we currently have. And teaser alert, we will be posting more. Okay. All right. So then we definitely will be posting this on LinkedIn. Um, but what are, we talked about characteristics, you know, what would be just a superstar candidate in your mind? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, you know, definitely someone who's, who has experience in this space would be our primary, you know, that I think would be, would be terrific. But I think even if you don't have experience in this space, but you're interested in, in, you know, getting certified by IAP, IAPP, if you're interested in learning, I think we're definitely open for some of our positions to really like entry level folks in this space as well. But again, if you are, you know, you're smart, you're motivated, you're driven, you're a self-starter, you're curious, and you have an interest in, you know, how new technology works and how we can use data, you know, responsibly in ways that align with, you know, both law and also with consumers' expectations. So, yes, we are hiring. Please, please, you know, um, reach out to me for um, more information if you're interested. Well, that sounds good. And for what it's worth, I think all of those qualities that you mentioned at the end, uh, to me, those always end up impressing, right? That that you may not come in knowing privacy super, super deeply, but if you've got those types of characteristics and curiosity and resilience and grit, uh, that goes pretty far. So I'm excited. I'm excited to hear and see how your team develops. But again, thanks so much for joining.